Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, and uh, you know where I'm from. I don't need to tell you. Don't stalk me. Where are you from? I'm from Maryland originally. Yeah. Actually, Frederick, Maryland, just outside of Frederick, Maryland. A small town called Monrovia. It's fascinating you said just outside of a town nobody's ever heard of, as if that was going to like help us. Like- Frederick is Frederick. <laughs> no, just outside of Frederick, in a town no one's ever heard of. I've never heard of Frederick. Is that well known? Frederick is the second largest town in Maryland. Um, I'm from Connecticut, so we don't know anything about anything south of New York. Well, when I lived it. when I lived in Maryland, I had never heard of Danbury yeah. or Hartford or Waterbury. <laughs> yeah, we're well kept secrets up here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about Connecticut before I moved up here, but now I'm glad I lived here. It's a great state. Yeah, it was funny being World Youth Day and people would be like, "Where are you from?" I'd be like, "Connecticut." What? New York. Oh, New York. Yeah, yeah. everyone from another <laughs> yeah. country is like, yeah, sort of. you know, on New York, you know, close of. to New York, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway. I'm Joe, Joe, by the way. Wasn't, I'm Joe. Joe is also from Connecticut. Yeah. Wasn't, he's from, it wasn't announced yet. He's from a small town just outside of Danbury. Yes, the house of God. The house called Bethel. Yes. Bethel, Connecticut. Yeah, so don't stalk us, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so <laughs> I was so I was reading this, uh, not reading, I was watching uh, a YouTube video uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, about this guy who's living off the grid in Appalachia, or Appalachia, how they pronounce it mm, down there in yes. like Eastern Kentucky. And uh, it you know, got me thinking, because I, I think quite a bit about um, just simplifying life. You know, We live in a very complicated world, and uh, particularly a world with perhaps more possessions than we need know what to do with. And I look in my room, and it's, it's a blessing as a priest to move every two or three, f- five years. You know, Now I'm actually in a place for a little while as a pastor, but but to move at frequently gives you an opportunity to say, have I used this in the last three years? No, trash, or give it away, you know? Because I think our possessions can definitely tie us down and can help, can hinder the freedom of heart that Christ wants for us. And, and when I'm looking at this guy living off the grid, you know, he's like growing his own food and like collecting his own rainwater for washing and things like that. And, you know, and Joe's rolling his eyes because he could never see, foresee doing that. No. I can foresee doing that. I like backpacking. The world would have to end for me to agree to do any of that. That's fine. <laughs> But it makes me think, you know, like, do we as Americans live a self-indulgent life? And, and that's one of the things I try to preach to my people um, is that, you know, we're middle-class Americans, but I think the big sin in America is self-indulgence, right? We have the American dream, and what's the American dream? It's materialism. It's gain as much as you possibly can. But at the same time, as, you know, as a layperson, you have to store up things for tomorrow. Yeah. You, you got to have a 401k. You got to, you know, take your family on vacations. You can't, can't live like a, a monastic. So what's the balance, I don't know. What are your thoughts on simplicity? Like, do you find that your your life is too complicated with possessions? Do you want to live a more simple life, or you? Um, I mean, <clears throat> need I would, more stuff. I would like to have fewer things. I think part of the problem is I'm still at that stage in life where I am sort of operating out of the same bedroom I've lived in for the last twenty years, and so you just accumulate stuff. And it, I mean, one thing, like when I go when I go to seminary, my room is a lot more simple. But like when I'm home, it's kind of it's difficult to like shed all the stuff you accumulate over the course of your life. So your parents, when you moved out to college, they didn't uh, turn that into a guest room. No. Uh, Yours did? Oh yeah. 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 Well, I was, I had, I was the oldest of five siblings. So it was like, Oh my other kid, you know, the other yeah, kid yeah, gets yeah. his own room. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I was not in that situation. Um, yeah. So I, mean, I would like to simplify. It's hard. It's one of those tasks. It's hard to know where to begin. And because you know where to begin, you just don't, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think that there, yeah, simple. I mean, obviously, as, as a priest, you've taken a promise of simplicity as a seminarian. I'm aspiring to one day be in a position to take a similar promise. And we well, actually don't. You don't, you don't. That's not a vow we take, no. We don't take. You don't take a promise of simplicity? Nope. Oh, I thought you did for some reason. Nope. All right, All right cool. Then I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we should live simply, though. Sure. I mean, following the example of Christ, who had yeah. nowhere to lay his head. You know, but what does that look like in today's world? Right. You know, as a priest, as a layperson, as a young adult. Yeah. Well, how do you balance it? Because the other thing is that, um, 
like there's a certain mindset that says like I need to like bulldoze my rectory and build something simpler. And it's like so you're gonna destroy a house and spend the money to build a new one so you look simpler, right? It's like because like you you as a priest you're walking into a situation where you you are walking into a rectory that already exists. Yours happens to be very nice. Most rectories in our diocese happen to be very nice, and it would be ridiculous to say I'm gonna raise this and build a, a simpler one because it would just cost more money. Right? How do you how do you walk in a situation in which you're living in a reasonably well and comfortable life? And and that I, and then, I'm I'm gonna criticize Pope Francis here. I apologize, da, da, but da, da. you know. <laughs> But when Pope Francis became Pope, he wanted to make a, a big show of his simplicity. So he moved out of the Apostolic Palace and into Casa Santa Maria, which is, I guess, a home for Casa Santa Marta. Yeah, cardinals live there and whatnot. Yeah, cardinals. And it's, it's perhaps a little simpler step down. You know, he's living with other people. But that means that the entire security detail that was over there had to go and basically revamp that entire place for the Pope. So now everyone else's life is completely upended because he wanted to live a simpler life. And it's like, I don't know that that saved any money or any anything, but... I couldn't possibly have a comment on that. But, but, so, but, but that's the reality, is that, is that, you know, simplicity is not always what it appears, right? Because... Yeah, I mean, not, with, not, not apropos of what you just said in any way, shape, or form. Um, simplicity is not about looking simple. It's about being simple. So right. The point of being of living a simple life is not for people to look at you and say, "Well, what a simple life he leads." Um, again, like if you pitched a tent in front of your rectory and you're like, "I just want everybody to know, like, I am living in this tent full time," everybody would be like, "Oh, wow, look how holy!" And that would be the exact opposite of the point of simplicity. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> you could you could have fewer, very few possessions, living in a nice rectory, and nobody would ever know about it. And that would be the point. That would be how the grace comes in, right? Right. Right. So, I mean, when I, when I, but when I speak to people about that, like a lot of times I've heard homilies that talk about, okay, well, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, the rich and the poor and how the rich have, you know, hard time getting into heavens, like a camel going through the eye of a needle. But a lot of times the homilies will explain that by saying, well, it's not about how much you have, but about whether or not your heart is attached to it. And I'm kind of like, wait a second, how can you have a ton of stuff and not be attached to it? Is it, is that really possible? I mean, Jesus didn't say you can be rich, but not, you know, not attached, and that's fine. He says, like, no, don't even be rich. But as Americans, we're, we're filthy rich, you know, compared to the rest of the world, right? When people can't even afford clean drinking water, sure. you know, should we feel guilty about that? Should we, should we not? Should we do something about it? I don't know. Hmm. It's hard too because it's like, what do you do, right? Like, it's not like what's standing between, you know, some village somewhere without drinking water and. And, ha- and having them having drinking water is like my bank account. Like that might be case in individual situations, right? Like you could like take a village, spend the money to dig them a well, and get them drinking water. But like the fact that there is world hunger, that there is uh, a lack of drinking water or anything, is actually just as like a structural failure. That I often think the injection of cash into just makes actually just makes it worse because you're actually just giving money to like warlords and stuff like that, and dictators, not to any people. Right. It's hard to know, right? Because it's like, oh well, you always hear, right? Like if you didn't eat that. You didn't eat that piece of broccoli. There's a starving kid in Africa that could have used that. It's like, well, <laughs> like think that through for a second, right? So like my broccoli like is gonna get from my plate to him. It'll be bad and like it's not gonna get to him, right? Because any aid we give won't make it to him. It's gonna be rotten by yeah, the time it gets to but, but, I mean that's like obviously a ridiculous example, but like, yeah, there's an extent to which in some ways, like I've always kind of thought that chari- the charity we give helps us more than it helps those we give it to sometimes. Like obviously not not like the, the giving somebody who's poor money helps them, but it doesn't fix poverty. Mm. Right. And so that's my point. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't know because, um, yeah, like we've been given both of us comfortable lives. I mean, obviously I'm a poor seminarian. So, um, but no, like I, 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 I send I, donations too. That's not, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Like I, I, you know, I live a very comfortable life. Our diocese takes care of us very well. And yeah, like I could certainly give more. Um, yeah. So I don't know. 
So basically, we're just asking questions. We have no idea yeah. <laughs> the answers. Yeah, because well, again, part of it is like, it's not as if the giving, it's not like I could say like, oh, if only I could write a check for $500 to somebody that would like solve all these problems. It's like, but it wouldn't really. Like it would, it would ameliorate people's situations in the moment, but it wouldn't solve any structural problems. And so sometimes I think you can look at that and think like, what's, what's the point then? Um, but I think the point is not, the point is that, the point is not to solve the problem, right? Like it is not the goal of my goal of giving to charity. I don't do that because I'm because I'm going to solve a problem, and therefore I don't do it if I'm not going to solve a problem. Well, we I do, do it because I have to, right? Because it's a good thing to do because it's charity because it's how Christians act. Well, and because Christ says, "What you do for the least, right. you do for me," right? right? So, so feeding one person one meal will take them will tide them over for four hours, right? right. So it's not going. Yeah, right. It's not going to solve world hunger, right? But you're seeing Christ hopefully in that person, and that's the thing. Whenever we practice generosity, it's not just there's a need we have to fulfill. It's like, I want to see Christ in this. I want to give it as if I'm, if, if, as if I'm giving it to the Lord. Right. Now, how do you feel, and I actually sort of know your answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you feel about... Because our listeners may not know my answer. No, they don't know you as I do. Um, <laughs> um, how do you feel about like giving to people who are like very likely just sort of scamming you. Like I just came back from World Youth Day, right? So I was in Europe, which means that there's, um, you know, like gypsies, gypsies and... everywhere, yeah, who are trying to shake you down for money. And it's tempting just to kind of like your, your back kind of stands up and you kind of walk away because it's like, oh, they're just, you know, that's a Photoshop picture you're showing me and like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with you. And you see it all the time where it's like, well, why didn't you give that guy money? Oh, well, because he's going to buy drugs. It's like, well, first of all, how do you know? And second of all, is that my business? Does it matter? Like, what do you think about that? How do you, how do you approach seeing somebody out who's asking for money? Well, I think one thing that everyone, the reason why people give money most of the time is not because they want to see Christ in them, but because they have a guilty conscience. Right. Right. And so I don't think that's ever a good reason to do a good work. It's just because I feel guilty if I don't. Sure. You know, and I think sure. the one thing, the one thing that we give money so that we can avoid yeah. making eye contact. I think that's right. You know, so we can avoid the, the difficult work of talking to this person. Yeah. Right. Now, in, in Europe, when you're in a big crowd and there's gypsies all around, they, they don't want to talk, right? That's not, that's not what they're there for, right? Mm -hmm. But in America, you know, I can, when I drive up to a stop sign and someone's there with, a, you know, f food, you know, I will, I'll look in the eye, I'll smile, I'll wave, I'll, as a priest, I'll, you know, I'll give them a blessing. Mm -hmm. They may not appreciate it, but then I'll give a donation to a soup kitchen where I know they can get food later that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, it's worth... Um it's probably worth shouting out that um, so as part of World Youth Day, you get like these meal voucher swipe things that are good for a certain number of meals a day, you know. And I, I didn't witness this, but I was told that it happened that the high, some like some of our high schoolers that came to the diocese of Bridgeport weren't going to use them one day, and so they and their chaperones got their meals and went and gave them out to um, to people who were to poor, hungry people and like talked to them and like really actually. Like, Gave them some human dignity. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's like, and that's beautiful. like a beautiful way to that's a beautiful way to be, right? So it's a, it's probably worth mentioning. Um, yeah. When I was, <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that. When I, I, we took a, a youth group trip up to Waterbury to go laser tagging, and first we visited the Basilica in Waterbury. Was mm -hmm. you, ever, you ever been there? Uh, no. You need no. to go there. Yeah. If you, if any Connecticut listener, you've got to go to the Basilica in Waterbury. It has a, it's one of the most beautiful churches I've What's ever it seen. Called again? A Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. Okay. They have a great relics display with hundreds of relics, including mm -hmm. like the Blessed Virgin's veil and all kinds of really cool stuff. Saint Joseph's staff or something. I don't know, something cool. Nice. Joe's giving me the, the side eye of like, I'm not sure that's valid. I don't know. I dare you. Know. I didn't know such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she, she bequeathed her clothes before yeah. she assumed intent. Wonderful. But anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful church. And afterwards, we went out and we ate some pizza right there in the park across the street. And I totally was not expecting this, but there's like these homeless dudes that came up like, hey, 
got an extra like yeah sure come on in we actually ended up thankfully thankfully ordering like two extra pizzas that we didn't need and so they started a conversation with us and you know and the, one of the homeless guys knew the Bible pretty well. Huh. So he and I started having this great conversation about the Bible. And he's like, oh, what's your favorite passage? And, you know, asking him that question. And the kids were able to see that and the kids were able to participate in that. And I thought it was really interesting because it was unplanned. Mm-hmm. It wasn't you're like, oh, we're going up there to minister to the homeless. It's like, it just kind of happened. And that's often how Christian charity is. It's like, it just kind of happens. Yeah, that's great. But for those who live in like the suburbs... Right. in a nice, comfortable house, and right. they don't encounter this on a right. daily basis. I mean, should we feel bad about taking expensive vacations or having, you know, a Lexus in our driveway? Should we not do that? Yeah, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's it seems hard to justify, sort of. Um, I mean, Tolstoy once said, I am a participant in a crime if I have superfluous food and another has none. I've always kind of liked that quote. Sure. I don't know that I 100% agree with it. No. Yeah. Because there's a lot of factors and there's, you know. And there's, there are things worth spending money on that aren't charity. Yes. You know, because um, you hear sometimes people say things like, why don't you just scrape the gold off the, off the walls of the church and give it to the poor? And it's like, hmm, I don't know, maybe because like, that's what Judas said to do when, when Mary poured the oil on, on, on Jesus and <laughs> Jesus said, what are you doing? She's doing a good thing for me. The poor you always have with you. Like maybe, maybe spending money on God's actually a good thing. Like, cause God said so in the Bible. Like, I don't know. Right. That's fair. So, yeah. That's um, and, absolutely fair. And so, yeah, like their charity is a important Christian virtue. Like, I, I mean, I don't mean theological charity. I mean like the act of giving to the poor is a very important Christian virtue. important thing Christians do, but it's also not the only thing Christians do. And so it's hard to balance that. And there's certain people do want to make that an idol. Yeah. But like we also worship, which is not an act of, of charity to the poor. Right. Um, like not primarily anyway. Right. Um, and so, no, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah, in terms of like the specifics of like you should take I mean you said this before, like maybe you don't need to go on like the crazy vacation. Like maybe you don't have to go for three weeks, maybe you can go for two weeks or instead of a week, maybe you can go for four days or um or maybe your maybe your policy should be whatever I spend on, on unnecessary consumption I also spend on I also donate, right? Yeah. I don't know. Because I think young adults have a unique um situation here because a lot of young adults have a lot of disposable income. Right. You know, I look at the I, I don't look at the salaries, but, you know, but they all have to turn into you, right? But, <laughs> but you know, I hear some of our young adults are like, "Oh, I'm flying to Paris, you sure. know, for this or that," you know, and it's like, "Okay, great." I mean, but like, you know, obviously you're not married, you don't have kids, you right. know. So if you got all this disposable income, do we have an obligation with that? And I think we do. Yeah, I think we do. And I think I think there's there's a balance where you know, obviously we should take vacations that we need, and obviously we should t- do cultural things. Yeah. You know, go see a concert or whatever, sure. just because you know culture is good and yeah. it's good to pursue, but all within reason. Yeah, maybe we just need rules for ourselves. Maybe it's like a tithing type thing. Like whatever I spend on my own enjoyment, I spend at least ten percent of it on charity or something like that, right? I don't know. Or maybe things should be higher because you can or whatever. But maybe this probably is an area that has to be left to individual discernment, right? I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, because we have to, our responsibilities for vocation. You know, and as a young adult, you have different vocations and different needs and. And it's also like, oh, why do you have to buy such an expensive suit? And it's like, well, because my job requires me to look presentable to people and be professional and a suit from Kohl's isn't going to accomplish that. And so like, it's actually like a professional obligation that I have to like dress like an adult. You know? Wow. Knock down Kohl's there. I, that's where I shop. From. I actually shopped at Walmart. But... For, for what? For your dress clothes? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Why not? All right. Um, <laughs> Good, goodwill? I don't know. Sure. No, I mean, but, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Like you and I actually had this conversation at your rectory once another priest and that like, 
we're not priests in Cal- you're not a priest in Calcutta, you're a priest in, Bur- in Fairfield County. That means that people here expect you to look like a professional. And your ministry actually will, will not be as effective if you don't look presentable in, in some situations. And that's just a reality you have to live with, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the challenges, I think, of our modern world is that we're so tuned into problems that we have absolutely nothing to solve. Did you see the movie Sound of Freedom? No. I do recommend it. Great movie. Do you know what it's about? Yeah. Okay, so, it's, so for those who are listening who don't know what it's about, it's about human trafficking. It's a really powerful movie. Jim Caviezel plays this, this agent who goes into South America to try to rescue some kids that were trafficked. Uh, it was a true story. Very sad. I mean, it's a happy ending. Thanks, Billy. I won't you know, spill it, but nobody dies. Right. <laughs> That's the good news. But the thing that left me at the end of the movie was, so the whole movie was just this emotional roller coaster where you're like, oh, this is a disgusting thing, this human trafficking, and I can't, I hope that they, that he, you know, successful. And at the end, Jim Caviezel actually, you know, during the credits gets on camera and gives this impassioned plea, but like, you know, this is a huge problem. It's a huge problem in America. It's a huge problem everywhere else. And then the movie ends. And my thought was, huge problem. I agree. What can I do? Right. Nothing. Well, what can I do don't about human traffic? traffic. I haven't done that in my life. Sure. But don't, but don't start. <laughs> I will try not to. Okay, good. <laughs> and they're like, be, you know, be aware for the signs of human trafficking. I have no yeah, idea what the great. signs. I mean, okay, well, sure. you know, I don't go to, you know, nail salons where apparently that's a big popular place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a response to that except, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. So, so with all of these problems that we can't solve, you know, I don't know what I think we can we do about control it. our own behavior, right? And it's actually something I think also kind of worth mentioning. Like, you remember, you remember the parable of um, the uh, the woman who gives, drops the one coin in the basket as opposed to the guy who gives, you know, tons of money and Jesus says that she gave more because she gave out of her poverty whereas he gave out of his surplus. Yeah. Um, we do that all the time, not just with money. So, like, if you think, um, like, you hear it all the time. It's like, well, oh, like, I'd love for you to, like, help out our youth group. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm way too busy. But, like, maybe I can give you a check. Like, maybe I can, like, help, like, fund it. And it's like, oh, so what you have the most of is money and least of is time. So I'm asking for your time so you're giving me your money. So you're giving out of your surplus, not your poverty. So like sometimes... Hmm. Um, I've never heard that interpretation. I like yeah, that. So, if you, so like if you think about like that, now it's like, well, okay. So what I have the least of is the thing I'm expected to give the most of. So like I have the least amount of free time. Okay, that means you're expected to give some of your free time because otherwise you're giving out of your abundance, not out of your poverty. So it's not just physical. It's not just in terms of money. So maybe you think, oh, actually... Yeah, I don't a lot of char- I don't a good amount of charity. It's like, of course you do, because you because you can, but you've never gone to a soup kitchen, you've never been an usher at mass, you've never taught CCD or helped a youth group or done anything physical for you've never done anything for anybody. You've just given money, and that's great. Give money, but you're giving out of your abundance. Give out of your poverty. Try, try just try that. That's that's the actual gospel message, right? So that's another way mm. to look at it. It's like, well, okay, because it's not just the other thing about the vacation. It's like, oh well. I mean, I think of it as a seminarian, right? Because like, oh, like I want to go on vacation. I want to like relax and see my friends in the summer, and I do those things. But I also have another obligation as a seminarian in the home in the diocese, in my opinion, which is like, okay, so I'm here to relax a little bit and catch my breath from the year. But I'm also here for ministry purposes because, as a priest, I don't just take summers off. I won't just take summers off. You don't just take summers off. You know? Oh no, not at all. I still work every Sunday like every other priest. So um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> it. That's it. It's 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 Saturday nights, to be fair. Saturday nights too. Um, no, so like. Uh, I mean, tonight we're going to go to this young adult thing, right? Um, I mean, I, I, I happen to want to go, but I also just got back from Europe from being World Youth Day. I would love to just go hang out with my friends tonight. But like, right, this is a way to give back in a way that I don't have as much of, which is time. So, Well, that's very true. And we have, to, we have to ponder our vocations and especially in our money and our possessions. You know, is our possessions helping us in our vocation? And everyone's vocation is different. Sure. Absolutely. If your vocation is to... to 
to be a banker on Wall Street? Because, I mean, there needs to be good Catholics yeah. who are bankers on Wall Street. I mean, the world needs a financial system, right? That's not... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, good bankers help other people to yeah. s- to sustain their, their livelihood, right? Sure. You're, you're raising money, you're, you're helping your clients make more money. Right. And can that money be used for evil? Sure, but it can also be used to feed a family, you know, and... So I think the question is, are you being as generous as your vocation allows? And a lot of times I think the answer is no. Right. You know, one of the biggest generosity things that I hear a lot as a priest is, you know, families are like, oh, I can only afford two kids. No, you can't. Right. You can afford more than two kids, right. most people, right? Because it's not about the money. And I believe that God is going to multiply whatever generosity you give. Right. Yeah, and it's not just, right, so generosity with God is actually, when, when we were going into the 30-day retreat, or the kind of the head director was told us like approach this retreat in a spirit of magnanimity, which means big souledness. Like approach this retreat, trying to be generous with God. So don't. So that mean that what that means is, um, don't cut your hour meditations down to fifty five minutes. Don't try to duck out of taking on an extra one. Um, don't let your mind be cluttered with remembering your favorite TV show when you're not praying. Like be generous enough to sacrifice enough to make this retreat work. Mm. And I try to remember that. And I've tried try to remember it coming out of that. It's like, okay, how, how can I be generous to God right now? It's like, even on World Youth Day, it's like, okay, um, we were up pretty early today. I haven't really prayed yet. I want to go hang out with the other seminarians at the bar or whatever, go explore this castle or whatever it is, but I haven't really prayed yet. And so like the generous, the way to be generous to God right now is to not do those things and to pray, right? And so again, what do you have the least of? That's what God wants the most of. So it's like, oh, like, I, I don't know what you expect of me. Like I have kids. It's like, I don't have any time to, to pray. It's like, I just figured out what God wants you to do. He wants you to pray, right? He wants you to spend 10 minutes praying to him. That means maybe not watching TV when you're exhausted. I'm, I, I'm, that's, that's terrible. I'm sorry, it's a sacrifice, but that's the point, it's sacrifice, right? The whole point of all of this is sacrifice. It's the simplicity involves sacrifice, right? Otherwise, it's not simplicity. That's very true. And simplicity involves single-heartedness. Yeah. You know, in that, uh, you know, the most simple people are those who are directed towards one goal. And the one goal, of course, should be Christ and being conformed to him, regardless of what our vocation is. So if we are a young adult living in the world, okay, our vocation is not to make a ton of money. Our vocation is to to be single-hearted and following Christ. So when you make a lot of money, praise God, and how is this money going to be used towards that one goal? Right. Of following Christ. Right. And I think as young adults in particular, you have a, a unique opportunity right now as a young person in your 20s and 30s to make a huge difference huge difference because of your time and money, because of that thing, those things that are disposable. Because as a married person or as a priest, your, your vocation is pretty much set and you can, you're kind of restrained, constrained as to how much you can do, where you can volunteer, what yeah. you can do with your money. Yeah. But as a, as a young adult, you got the freedom to be able to say, you know what, I got, yeah. I got Saturdays and Sundays open. How can I mentor a youth in the inner yeah. city? You know? I mean, imagine, imagine what would happen in the church, in our diocese, if every person my age offered an hour to the church a week. That'd be awesome. I mean, imagine if we could finally get rid of these people who have been teaching the same wrong theology in CCD classes for 50 years, have somebody who was passionate about the faith step in and teach one class a week. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, when I, I mean, again, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, he wants to say many more things, but, <laughs> but no, won't. But, but, but I won't. Um, yeah, but like, um, by the way, it's so important. This is sort of off topic, but... Uh, again, being generous through time. Like, if you're a guy, especially if you're, I don't, I can't speak to the female experience, but if you're a guy in your 20s, like, you have no clue the impact you could have to guys in their early teen, teens if you were to volunteer with them. Like, that, there's something about that that, like, boys growing up look to older, older guys. And it's just, as, it's just, it's just how, how we're wired to some extent. You look at yeah. the role models, you have no clue the positive impact you could have 
by showing them like an authentic masculine version of, of a faithful Catholic. And so like, but, but I'm busy. I know you're busy. I know you're busy, but just an hour a week. Yeah. It's actually not that much. An hour every other week. If you want, if you want to CCD class, find another guy who's busy and trade off weeks. Yeah. Every week, every other, nobody can't do an hour every other week. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're busy, but you know, I think in this, it drives me crazy when people use the word busy. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's an old saying, the busy means being under Satan's yoke. Mm. is an acronym. It's a little cheesy, but, but I think it's kind of true in that we wear our busyness like a badge, like, oh. look how important I am because yeah. I'm so busy. Yeah. But we always make time for the things that we think are important to us. Right. Right. So if, if we think that prayer is important, we'll make time. If we think right. that drinking with our friends is important, we'll make time. If we think that volunteering is important, right. we'll make time. By the way, nobody is as busy as they think they are or say they are. Nobody on planet Earth, including myself. Nobody, can I'm coming close. <laughs> anybody, can, anybody can squeeze an hour out of their day if they actually needed to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's just, absolutely. it's just how it is. Yeah, and and that's the reality, and and it's true that not everyone's called to teach CCD. So, no, of course but not. but everyone has an obligation to discern yeah. how you are to build the bo- up the body of Christ, because nobody gets off the hook and says, "Well, I'm just going to be a taker from the body of Christ. Right. I'm just going to receive." You know, I'll go to my mass. I'll you know go to holy hour, but I'm not going to give back. No, as a young adult, right. we have to. Uh, part of our simplicity of life, which may sound counterintuitive, because we're it seems like we're complicating our life by taking on more things. But in reality, if those things are heading towards that one goal of holiness for ourselves right. and for the world, then it's actually a simpler life. Yeah. And it's not just about ministry. It's also like, how, okay, I'm busy, but maybe I could take half an hour to pray a day. Like, yeah, and that's, that's an act that of simplicity where it's like, I'm actually going to simplify my life in so far as I will have to not do a thing. Or maybe make my life more difficult outside of this, but like there's like the single heartedness, right? Like I want God. And so he has to be the object. He has to, there has to be the center of my day. There has to exist in there somewhere. You know what I mean? Well, I think you make a great point that we cannot forget that the, the corporal works of mercy have to be coupled with the spiritual works of mercy. So yeah, absolutely. Instructing the ignorant and, and burying the dead and this and that, you know, I mean, maybe your ministry is just, you know, going to a graveyard and putting on a, you know, a flowered wreath or something like that, you know, sure. on the grave of a veteran or something, you know, whatever it is. If I'm taking time to pray the rosary for somebody who died, who, you know, doesn't come from religious families, so no one's going to pray for him, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it, but our life has to be outward focused and others focused. And that's where the self-indulgence right. uh, becomes such a problem. It's that when our life is all about, let's let's have as most comfortable life as we can possibly make it. And it's such a temptation for young adults because we don't have the responsibilities. Right. Yeah. Know? It just seems like, like maybe to sum it all up, like it seems like the, like the goal and the core of simplicity is generosity with God, with others, like the reason we cut back on things is to be able to give more actually. Yeah. You know, that's a great insight. Thank you. Why <laughs> well, I the big box father. And I don't think we can improve on that. So we're going to call it, to, call it a day and call it an episode. <laughs> so my challenge for all of you young adults out there is to find a way to give, give your time, your talent, your treasure, because you have talents, you have gifts that the world needs. And to simplify is indeed to be generous. And that's where the, the boundary is between self-indulgence and, and living as Christ invites us to live. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, and wherever you get your podcasts. So tune in next time as we continue restlessly seeking the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world, but Christ is our light. Hey everybody, this is producer Matt. If you liked this week's episode of Restless and want to help the show grow, please rate us, review us, and subscribe on your preferred platform. God bless.